Good morning. It is a pleasure to be worshiping with you on this Transfiguration Sunday, especially as we are starting a new series. But before we begin, before we even dive into our message, before we even take a look at this series together, I'd like us to take a moment to allow God to prepare our hearts and our minds to receive the message he has for us. So would you please bow your heads and pray with me? Lord Jesus, we give you thanks on this Transfiguration Sunday that you did indeed come into our world to reveal your glory. And so now, Lord, we pray that we would heed your Father's words, that we would listen to you. Give us open hearts and minds to receive the message that you have for us this morning. And Lord, I pray that the words of my lips and the meditation of my heart would be pleasing in your sight, O God, who is indeed our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So as I said at the beginning of the uh, service, we are starting a brand new series, a series that we are calling Stewards. Now, we're gonna, I'm going to talk a little bit about why we're doing this series a little later on in the message, but I want to start actually with a question for you all. You will notice in your uh, worship folders that there is a blank page, a blank page for sermon notes. I'd like you to take that out. And this is the question. The question I have for you this morning is, what are your priorities? If you had to list right now your top three to five priorities uh, in priority order, what would, you, what would you write down? So I'm going to give you a moment right now. Uh, there's some pencils in the back of the, few, of the pew in front of you. Maybe you have a, a pen or something in your pocket. Go ahead and just using that blank sheet of paper, write out top three to five priorities for you as you consider your life. What is most important? Now, here's what I'm going to ask you to do if you're still kind of filling it out. I want you to take that list. I want you to hold on to it, okay? Keep that list in front of you because this morning we're going to be talking about priorities for a little bit. And I want you to have that list in front of you because I want you to be considering it as we talk. Uh, as we specifically look at priorities, what it means to have priorities through the lens of a very, very strange story. It's a story that comes to us uh, from the book of Exodus, chapter 32. It's the story that we often call the, the story of the golden calf. Now, here's why this story is, is so interesting and so important, is because of actually what has happened in the 31 chapters leading up to it. Okay, the book of Exodus, many people know this story. Uh, often we think about uh, that Cecil B. DeMille uh, Ten Commandments movie with Charlton Heston, or maybe um, if you're more my kid's age, you've seen The Prince of Egypt, the animated version. The Exodus story is this well-known story of how God's people, the Israelites, were slaves in Egypt, and how God sends Moses and uses Moses to deliver them from slavery. And kind of the climax, at least, of many of these movies is them go walking through the Red Sea, right? They're being pursued by Pharaoh's army. God parts the waters. They walk through the sea on dry ground. And then as Pharaoh's army pursues them, the waters sweep back over and the people are now free. Or so we think. Until we get to this story, because what we learn is the people follow Moses, they follow him through the wilderness, back to the mountain of God. And God has now appeared to them on the mountain. He's spoken the Ten Commandments to them, and then he calls Moses to come up the mountain to meet with him, so that he can give Moses further instructions to then pass on to the people, and so that they can talk about building the place of worship, the tabernacle, the altar of the Lord that will go with the people as they move on to the promised land. 
And it's while Moses is up on the top of that mountain for 40 days that we get to this incident, which reveals to us that the people, though free from slavery in Egypt, aren't quite free entirely. Because what we read in Exodus 32 is the following. It says, When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around his brother Aaron, and they said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Now, see, we we look at that story and we say, what is going on? Why are these people fashioning this this golden calf? And I think the answer, uh, the, the way we get an answer to that question is by first asking the question, who was Moses to them? Who was Moses to them? Who Moses was to them is Moses was their deliverer. At least that's what they believed, because it was through Moses that God gave his instructions to them. Moses was the one who led the people out of Egypt. Moses, for them, represented safety and protection and security and freedom. From the moment that they've left slavery in Egypt, they've followed one leader, and it's this guy, and now suddenly he's gone. He's gone up onto the mountain, this mountain that is wreathed in fire and lightning and smoke because the Lord is upon it. And he hasn't come down now for 40 days. And the people are kind of like, he must be toast. And people who've always depended on a leader, people who've always depended on someone stronger than them to lead them, first Pharaoh and now Moses, are looking for something that will give them a sense of security and protection, something that can go before them to lead them, which is why it's so interesting what they ask Aaron to do. They say, make us gods who will go before us. Make us gods who will protect us. Make us gods who will show us the way. Make us gods who will lead us in the absence of our leader. And suddenly this golden calf incident starts to make a little more sense. What they're asking for is they're asking for something that will give them a sense of security, peace, and direction. And they go to the next likely candidate, Aaron, Moses' brother, and they say, you do it. You do it for us. Make these gods for who will go before us. And while we might look at that and think that that's kind of strange, what, if you really stop and consider it, if you're really thoughtful about it, and you think about how we as humans behave, what we see is that this instinct to always look for something more secure is a universal human condition. In fact, I love how Tim Keller says it in his book, Counterfeit Gods. He says, the human heart takes good things like a successful career, love, material possessions, even family, and turns them into ultimate things. Our hearts deify them as the center of our lives because we think they can give us significance and security, safety and fulfillment if we attain them. For an idol is something that we cannot live without. We must have it. And therefore, it drives us to break rules we once honored, to harm others and even ourselves in order to get it. Idols are spiritual addictions that lead to terrible evil. Idolatry is what happens. When instead of looking to the God who made us, the one who created us, the one who ultimately gives us freedom, we look to something else for our security and our significance. And while we in America today might not actually go out and fashion a physical golden calf, the reality is is that idols are abundant in our world today. 
That there are countless things that we deify and enshrine in our lives, thinking that if I have this thing, I am somebody. If I have this thing, I will be safe and secure. Maybe it is our jobs. Maybe it's our money. Maybe it's our finances. Maybe it's our success, our fame, our approval, our career. And whatever those things are, we look to them and we deify them in our hearts because we think, we think that those are the things that are ultimately going to provide for us. And that's the reason why I wanted us to talk about priorities this morning because priorities help us to identify what those things are in our lives. That when you stop and you think about your priorities, what a priority is, is it's something that sets the direction, right? That when you're faced with countless various choices, it's your priorities that are going to help you decide, what do I do? Where do I go? What do I focus my time and my effort and my money and my finances on? It's our priorities that direct us. In short, by focusing on our priorities, priorities can actually highlight idolatries. Priorities can highlight idolatries. And so this morning, I want us to think about those priorities for just a second because often what I see in our culture today and I encounter in my own life when I think about those moments when I feel least safe, least secure, is the fact that often I have set priorities in much the same way that the Israelites did. And I think that this is a condition that plagues even Christians. Because Christians, like Moses, have a spiritual leader, right? We have Jesus. Jesus is the one who comes to forgive us. Jesus is the one who gives us freedom and sets the direction for our lives. He came, died, and rose again so that we can have a relationship with the God who made us. And yet, he seems to have gone up the mountain and many of us are wondering when he's going to come back. That over 2,000 years, we, we know Jesus has done this for us, but in his absence or his seeming absence, what we've done is we've started to make other things the priority in our life in order to give ourselves a sense of security. And while Jesus might be in there somewhere, he's really not at the center anymore. I mean, one of the things I find so funny about the Exodus story, right, is that Aaron makes this idol for them, right, and he sets it up, and then what does he say, though? He says, tomorrow there's going to be a feast day to the Lord. You see, they haven't totally forgotten Yahweh. They haven't totally forgotten the God who delivered them. But now he's just kind of one of a couple different options because they've set up other priorities to give them a sense of security. And I think many of us do the exact same thing. And the problem is, is that when we do that, we find that idols don't really ultimately satisfy. I look at the lives of Americans today, I look at the lives of my fellow Christians today, and what I see is I see a lot of anxiety. I see a lot of different priorities that though we've set them, they don't really seem to give us the sense of fulfillment that we crave and that we desire. See this especially in the area of finances. Can't tell you how many people are stressed about the current financial situation, not just in our country, but in our state. And we worry. We set these priorities, these idols up in our lives because we think that they're going to make us more secure, but deep down in our heart of hearts, we don't really feel all that secure, do we? It makes me think of something that Alexis de Tocqueville wrote in his book, Democracy in America. See, he came to visit the new American Republic after we won our independence from England, and this is what he noticed. He said, it is strange to see 
with what feverish ardor the Americans pursue their own welfare and to watch the vague dread that constantly torments them lest they should not have chosen the shortest path which may lead to it. A native of the United States clings to this world's goods as if he were certain never to die, and he is so hasty in grasping at all within his reach that one would suppose he was constantly afraid of not living long enough to enjoy them. This is a guy who wrote in the 18th century, and I swear that could have been a New York Times column this past week. We live in this constant sense of dread in the midst of abundance. We live in the most prosperous nation on the face of the planet, and yet it does not seem to bring security. It does not seem to meet the deepest longings of our heart. We frantically run around grasping at things as though they will ultimately satisfy, saying these are the gods that can go before us, and yet they stand there, deaf, mute, and blind. And they don't ultimately satisfy. It's because we're looking to these material things to give us that which only God can provide. Which is why I love the fact that this weekend is Transfiguration Weekend. Because it's in the Transfiguration that God shows us who is really the one who can provide for the deepest longings of our heart. That it was on the mountain when Jesus went up with his three disciples, that suddenly they see him transformed and appearing in glorious splendor. And it's in that moment that they finally get a glimpse of who Jesus actually is. That he's not just some religious teacher who's come to give them some additional truths that will kind of fit into their already set system of priorities. That he's not just some guru who can dispense wisdom from on high and then leave us to figure out the rest. No, what they see is they see Jesus in his glory. They see him as the, as the Lord who reigns over all things. And it's in that moment that you kind of see like Peter trying to figure it out, right? He says, wow, it's really awesome that we can be here. Let's set up some shrines for you. And what the father then says is he says, no, I don't want shrines. I don't want shrines to my son or to Moses and Elijah. What I desire most is that you would listen to him. That his priorities would determine your priorities, that the things that he values would come to be the sole center and source of all that you say and do and think because it's only in him that you will have the security you so long for. But what I find more amazing is that Jesus doesn't just stay up on top of that mountain. That the very next thing that happens after his transfiguration is that he walks down the mountain again. And that from this point on, he sets his face toward Jerusalem. You see, in the transfiguration, and as we go throughout the rest of our Lenten season, as we move toward Easter from this Sunday forward, what we see is we see what Jesus was willing to give up in order to give us freedom. That though he was wealthy, the way he used his wealth, the way he used his treasures reveal what his priorities ultimately were. Love what it says in 2 Corinthians 8, 9. It says, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich. 
that you might enter into an everlasting relationship with the God who can truly provide security and peace and significance. This morning, I asked you to write out those five priorities. And the question I want to ask is, how would your priorities change if Jesus were truly the center of your life? I want you to look back at that list of three to five things that you wrote down. I once more want you to pick up your pencil or your pen, and I want you to cross that list out. Because for those of us who follow Jesus, what we see is there's really only one priority. There's only one thing at the center of our lives. It's the one who was transfigured in glory at the top of that mountain, the one whom the Father says, listen to him. And the question I want to ask is, if Jesus is the one priority of life, how does that change how we relate to everything else? Because he's not just one on a list. He's the only thing. And his desire is to set us free from the things that bind us. To fill our hearts so that our hearts are now free to give freely. I said that I would tell you why we're doing this this series called Stewards. This is why. Because a steward is somebody who ultimately lives life not for themselves, but for someone else. Who recognizes that all that they have is really given to them so that they might live it for the sake of another. And one of the things that we learn is that if Jesus is truly in control, if he reigns over all, then it means everything that we have is ultimately just a gift given to us by him to be used for the benefit of someone else. That's what it looks like to get our priorities straight. Now, many people might be asking, well, well, then why are we focusing just, you know, primarily on finances in this series? I mean, because that is what we're doing. We, we do this kind of every year. We do some sort of generosity series. We talk about finances a little bit. And somebody will say, well, if it's true that our lives are, are meant to be, we're meant to be stewards of our whole lives, why aren't we talking about things like time, talent, and treasure? And let me tell you why. I think that the time, talent, treasure like framework is a good evaluative tool, a good self-evaluative tool. But when you look at what Jesus actually says about these three things, they don't have the same weight or influence. That while they're a good evaluative tool, they don't have the same weight or influence. That when Jesus talks about these three things, he doesn't talk about them in equality. But actually what Jesus says, and I find this truly astounding, is in Matthew chapter 6, he says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What Jesus is saying there is he's saying, what you treasure will shape how you use your time and your talents. He's saying, what you treasure will shape the other two. And so this series, we're going to be talking about how do we use our treasure What place does it have on that list of priorities? And how does the the things that we have, how are they suddenly reshaped around a purpose far bigger than anything we could have imagined when Jesus becomes the sole focus of our lives? That's really what this series is about. It's living in the generous freedom of Christ and considering these things carefully and seeing how when we suddenly understand that Christ is the one who provides for all that we need, We can trust him with everything that we have. My prayer for you throughout this steward series is that we would learn to have transformed hearts, hearts of freedom given to us by the Lord who gave everything for us. 
And so it's with that end in mind that I want to pray as we begin this series. Lord, we give you thanks that you are at the center, that you're in control of everything, that we need not fear or grasp, but we can trust that you will provide for all that we need. And so, Lord, as we journey through these weeks together, we pray that we would listen to you, that when you say where your treasure is, your heart will be also, that we would see that as an invitation to trust you, to walk with you, and to see how you can take the little things of our lives and use them for great blessing and benefit to others. It's in the name of Jesus, our Lord, that we say, amen.